Hey everyone, I'm back. After a good vacation, I am now back and ready to discuss Guardians on a bit of a hot streak, trade deadline right around the corner. What am I hearing? What am I thinking? What am I reading between the lines? You can find that out as well as the most unlikely victory of the season, all on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you so you never have to go to the dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. I want to apologize to anyone who tried watching this right off the bat on YouTube. This is take two. Uh, I up- I <laughs> It's 1.30 in the morning. Uh, I updated my computer to Windows 11 the other day, which apparently turned off my microphone and my sound and I didn't rec- realize it as I was recording that there was just nothing. And then when I went to try to check things, there was nothing. So, yeah, Windows 11, thank you for wasting an hour of my life. Uh, having said that, let's talk about fun things. Uh, you know, who am I other than this guy complaining at the start? I'm Jeff Ellis, those Locked In Guardians. Before this, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout in 24-7. Before that, I appeared, appeared on pretty much every Cleveland sports blog there is. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. What's today's show going to be like? Well, we're going to talk about the game from Sunday. There was a lot of games when I was on vacation that I missed, but this is the weirdest game of the year in a lot of regards. It's the most unlikely win. I would have called it a punt from the start, but it, it wasn't, and we're going to get into that game. We're going to look at Fran Mill Reyes, try to figure out what do you do with him. Also... You know, having poured over the numbers and already having done this whole segment, I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing wrong with him and what I think you do with him. And then we're going to kind of, in segment three, discuss a little bit about the draft because we have everyone signed. Now we can state, you know, the cost and all of that. Very short. Uh, We'll save kind of more on the draft for later. We'll do a even shorter preview of the Diamondbacks um, because of time. And then uh, we're going to kind of look at, you know, the players. We're going to look at the guys on the Guardians who have the most rumors and then talk about, you know, the guy who, by all rumors, appears to be the Cleveland Guardians target. But first, let's talk about the Sunday game. So why they're facing a lefty who's the leading candidate to be the Cy Young Award winner. They throw Brian Shaw to start the game. Your first basemen are all down and injured, so you have Ernie Clement at first base who's offensively the worst first baseman in baseball this year uh alex call had a rough debut i mean i i made the call i was calling for him to be called up whatever pun you want to run with uh not in this game though this game he reached base three times to lead the team uh it was not a pretty lineup but it got the job done and on top of everything else i talked about there you know the injuries who they're facing they also didn't have an extra base hit. I can't recall ever having seen a game with nine hits and none of them going for extra bases. But the Guardians pulled it off. They won this one, surprising me and everyone else. Brian Shaw was terrible. Uh, I don't care what you have to say. He allowed five base runners in two innings. That's bad. 
and two runs and two innings. That's, you know, just in this game, his ERA was nine. Brian Chalk continues to be awful. Uh, James Karinchak, Karen Chalk, let's just call him 99. Another strong appearance for him. If he can get anywhere close, we've talked about that. He's such an addition for this team. Kirk McCarty, good for Kirk. He gets a blown save, but uh, that's a strong performance. Now, in three and a third, he had six base runners. So that's one more than Shaw did in another inning and a third. Struck out two and allowed just that one earned run. Uh, now, here's where I'm going to give Tito credit. This is, a, you know, I don't know if I would say it's smart throwing Shaw, but having a righty lead off the game, if that righty is only going to go a few innings and then immediately switching to the lefty, then that lineup is set up to face a right-hand pitcher, and instead you go to the lefty. Unless they're going to do mass substitutions, you've got them you know, on the wrong foot. And this is the second time they've done this. Both times Shaw started, again, Shaw is not the right guy to do this. The fact that he is darn near leading this team in appearances is an embarrassment. But it is a, a solid strategy. It is a good employment that Tito is doing. It is using an opener effectively. This is what how you use one, and, I, and we haven't seen too much of this. If it was anyone other than Shaw, I'd say it's a genius. I would say that Tito is you know playing this perfectly, but using Shaw in this situation is just he's not good on any level, and he hasn't been. And he's it's the same story from a year ago. First two months solid, just falls off. And I part of me just pains me. I was the biggest Shaw supporter during his first few years here. I was like Shawsome. I was I was that dude. I was like, this guy is a good reliever. Stop hating on him. He is not that guy anymore. He's just not. And the fact that he, you know, it, McCarty gets the blown save. He's going to be one of the three stars in this one. Eli Morgan goes two-thirds of an inning. Trevor Steffen, I got to check and see. He might be up to the greatest Rule 5 pick in Guardians history by war. He might not be, but he has been the greatest Rule 5 pick in Guardians history. It's it's not a long list. They have lost a ton of guys. They have not added a ton of guys uh, through the Rule 5, so it's not a big list for him to beat. I think he needed a war of 2.1. Probably doesn't have it quite yet, but he's going to get there, and I think he's very clearly the greatest Rule 5 pick in team history. And then where are those classic haters? Where are the people from the start of the year? who, I don't know if he's a reliever you know, or closer. I don't know if he missed enough. But yes, he had a rough start, but my goodness, has he been good over the last two to three months. Is there any doubt anymore? Whew, one, two, five ERA. I, he's, he's the best reliever in baseball right now. I, I don't want to have an argument because who are you going to put up against it? it? It's unbelievable. He has been utterly dominant. Uh, those doubters have gone away. Let's do the box score bingo. Before we go too much longer into this one, as we go through the Guardians had nine hits, four walks, and one hit batter. That gives them uh, 14 opportunities. Five runs on 14 opportunities with no extra base hits. That's not bad. I do like the, you know, you go through the box score. It's like, you know, you have your extra base hits and your stolen base. So the only thing we got is the Fran Mill stolen base. Very common occurrence. But four, uh, getting five on 14 with no extra base hits, that's a surprise. Other side of things for Tampa, they had eight hits, one error, and then they had five walks. They also had 14 opportunities and only got three runs. Now, this is why it's a surprise, because they got, uh, what, five doubles in this game? And they only got the four runs. The Guardians got lucky. Uh, pat my back. Pat my back. Pat myself on the back moment. Way before the year began, uh, I threw out the tweet when the Austin Meadows trade happened. You know, I was like, oh, my. Because when it happened, I was just like, 
Uh, I'm going to get such angry fans. I knew everyone wanted Meadows and that he went so cheaply. And my tweet at the time was, I would not be shocked if Isaac Paradis outperforms Austin Meadows. Now, Meadows has been hurt, but Tampa doesn't lose these type of deals. I mean, maybe uh, they're going to lose the Peyton Batonfield deal with Cleveland. I don't know. I mean, Jake Cronenworth is the one situation where you look back and say, okay, maybe they, they missed there, but they don't often miss. And uh, Paredes has been great. You know, I saw the... It just it still stinks seeing Yandi on the other side of things. I saw the the Terry Pluto article where it talked about, well, it's not fair to say that, you know, it was Bowers for for uh, Yandi Diaz in that trade. I, it is 100% fair because it was a two-level two deal. It was... It, now, the unfair part and the thing that people leave, he has, he has a point to it, is it was Jake Bowers plus like $4 million for Yandi Diaz. Like, they got a significant... Tampa sent money along to help that deal happen. And then... Maybe it was like two... Maybe it was just $2 million. Maybe it was two million but still it was it was a decent chunk of change because then that money went to seattle and then seattle packaged even more money to send to cleveland uh to really bring down carlos santana's contract because uh, he had a like he had a weird contract he had a signing bonus with philly and then you know we were sending him edwin so it was technically more money uh being sent to cleveland but it was uh, spread out more and Cleveland also sent their comp B pick so there's a lot of moving parts but at the end of the day they, they essentially still did Bowers for Diaz that's <laughs> is something we can even the Guardians get it wrong occasionally but uh three stars in this one uh it, it, well you know before I get there isn't it kind of weird watching this series and seeing how many Cleveland guys there were uh Yu Chen Chang you know had a hit and a walk uh, he's not necessarily performing all that well either, but still, it's it's a team that is so beat up, and they're still s- somehow holding together. They made that trade for David Peralta on top of Chang and Diaz. I mean, Luke Rayleigh is a Northeast Ohio kid. I believe is a Highland High School graduate. Uh, but our three stars, I think Kirk McCarty has to get one. Yeah, he's got the blown save, but he's also the reason they won. I mean, eating three and a third innings is huge in this situation, and he's he's done well. And again, that's it's smart the way Tito is deploying him. It is absolutely a smart call. Uh, Alex Call. I like to give it to people who don't always get that award. And he reached base three times. That tied Austin Hedges for most on the team. And then I think for the other one, you got to give it to Hedges. Originally, I was thinking Straw because he had two hits and he's been really good of late. But I think you give it to Hedges because he reached base. He had a hit, he had a walk, and he had a hit batter. It's like a Gordy Howie, Gordy Howie, Gordy Howe hat trick of getting on base. Uh, we're going to take our first break here, come back, get into the weeds with Fran Mel, try to figure out what is occurring on today's Lockdown Guardians. I was literally on LinkedIn earlier today. Uh, they are one of the best places to find an opening for your small job. Over at LinkedIn Jobs, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses voted LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. Sorry, uh, weird timing here. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmob. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB 
to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sorry for the weirdness in the ad read there. I'm trying to line everything up, right? I don't want to go back and like redo everything just because Windows 11 was awful and decided I didn't need volume. So uh, hopefully this works better. Part two, you get me a little bit slap happier because it's, it's podcasting way after dark and also annoyed that I'm doing it again. But uh, it's I was not going to not post an episode. So here we go. Let's talk Fran Mill. So I got this over here in Baseball Savant. Luckily, I did not close my tabs. I got in the weeds. I spent 30 minutes on it, and then I spent 15 minutes talking about it. What's interesting with Fran Mill is you go back through just you know, his time in Cleveland even, walk percentage, 50th percentile, 62nd percentile, 55th percentile, this year, 11. So he's being deselected. Now, the K percentage has always been an issue. This year, it's the worst in baseball. Uh, he, you know, the whiff isn't great, but expected slugging has always been a strength. That is one of those things. I mean, he hits the ball hard, 87th percentile last year. Uh, his chase rate was only 62nd percentile last year. And this year, it's 46. It's still not, like, the worst, but he, it's a down year. It's like, so what has changed? So let's get into it. Uh, one of the interesting things I, going through the deep baseball savant data, noticed was, so typically it's kind of, you know, like last year, he had 1,081 fastballs to 668 breaking balls. So it's like, what, one and a half times? Uh, you know, if I were to put it all together, you'd say it's... Uh, yeah, about 60% uh, with, you know, the off-speed stuff being another smaller percentage. This year, it's 546 to 455. It's less than 100. Teams are smartening up. They're using the data. They're attacking him with breaking balls because he can't hit them. <laughs> the teams are more willing to, you know, we're so used to everything having to be set up by the fastball. That's not necessarily the way it is anymore. And teams are knowing that Fran Mill can't hit that. Now, he is even worse with breaking balls this year than he has been traditionally. But that is something worth pointing out. Now, as I was going through like how things are playing out this year, it was interesting, too, that over his career, his opposite field rate on a hit is 24.7%. That is counting this year where it's jumped up to over 28. Typically, he's been more like 22s. So he's trying to go more opposite field. He's, his pull percentage is staying the same. So instead of just hitting it straight on, he's trying to just take it to the... I don't know why, where my hands are going here because I'm not mere. It's... You know what I get mean though. It is he is trying to do something different. It's clearly not working. Uh, the other interesting thing was for his career, he's at a 19% in terms of getting under it when he's hitting the ball. This year he's at 20 what 23%. Now that means that 19% is with that inflation. So he's below 19% for his career. So that's almost a 5% shift in terms of the amount of balls he gets under. So he is Let's see if I can get it right. When you're under, when you're getting under it, you're late, right? Because uh, if you're getting, if you're going, if you're topping it, you know, I could be wrong here. It's been a while. But, yeah, he's, it's interesting because, like, his, you know, his barrel percentage is still good. He's, there are a lot of positive traits here. But for whatever reason, he's not walking. He's getting under the ball a lot. And he's t- changing his swing approach. Um I thought it's also fascinating if you go down, they did run value by pitch. It's another thing in baseball. Basically, you know, how many runs does he produce versus a given pitch? Last year, the four-seamer four was 10 runs positive, and the slider was 11 runs positive. Now, that's interesting because for his career, the slider has kind of bounced. Like it was a, 
various points, but uh, in twenty twenty was actually a negative value. This year it's it's a it's a negative seven. It's the worst valuation of any pitch for the slider. Last year it was plus eleven. You're looking at an eighteen run switch. The four seamer was a ten. This year it's a negative six. I mean almost everything is negative. The sinker. He doesn't really, I mean, he sees a decent amount, and he's hitting that well. The cutter, he's doing a good job. Sorry, cat's causing mischief. Uh, but, yeah, so when we're looking at this, his approach is wrong. He is clearly trying to overcompensate. He's trying to hit his way out of it, and it's he's pressing. And pitches he normally hits, he's not hitting. What do I think is going to happen with him? You know, we'll get into that more in segment three. But what do you do with him? Well, one thing is to trade him. Would the Guardians trade him? I think they would. I think this is a case where they would consider selling low. We'll get into that again more why in, in segment three. But right now, if you're not going to trade him, he's got two option years left. Do you, do you consider demoting him? You know, I look at the team right now. Ernie Clement can't play first base every day. That's just that's a bridge too far. You know, I don't know what to make of Will Benson. Is he a top 10 prospect to me? No. Top 15? No. Top 20? No. Could he be in the 20s? Maybe. And Why do I say no? Because players with his background don't, I mean, they don't do what he's doing now. But we do see them kind of like, okay, he spent, you know, a lot of seasons in the minors. It kind of comes together. You know, it's like Nick Plummer a year ago. Remember when I was talking about Nick Plummer with the Cardinals? And how it was really interesting. And he was this first-round pick who was finally putting it together. Uh, Will Benson was the draft after that. Very similar type of thing where he's getting it all together. It's finally working. But we see a lot of guys where this happens. Where it is in, like, that sixth or seventh year. And success doesn't typically... Major League success doesn't follow those types. Like, if you go and you look at Nick Plummer and his performance this year. I mean, he's been up and down, but... uh, you know, you do give credit to Benson to see what he has accomplished in terms of just, I mean, no one thought he'd ever produce a year like this. But, you know, this is a long way. Of, so, yeah, a 63 runs created plus and only 31 plate appearances uh, with the Mets this year. In AAA, he's also fallen off. And, yeah, I mean, the like I said, right now, if you want a, a comparison that scares you on Benson, it's Plummer. Very different builds. I mean, they couldn't be diametrically different in size. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people got mad at me and was like, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not guaranteeing he's added to the 40-man at the end of the year. Because it, it, it that profile typically does not lead to future success. But having said that, I would totally roster him. Especially if you can get rid of Brian Shaw. Two thumbs up. Very up. Uh you need to, if you can clear a roster spot, and there, there is dead weight on this roster. I think we all willingly can see and understand where it is. But you need a first baseman. They they had him, Benson, play two games at first this week. I don't think he's really much of a center fielder. He's okay there, much more of a corner guy. But I'd rather see him up here playing first base, see what he can do. You know, Maybe he's another unicorn. This team is, seems to be built off of them. But he's the type of guy I would rather go for and look at in that first base situation. Um so, or, you know, you demote Fran Mill. Again, you got to open up roster swap. Then you bring up Benson because the problem with Fran Mill is he can't do anything defensively, can't do anything offensively. He's just not doing anything. We're going to come back, talk about trades in segment three 
of Locked On Guardians. Talking about our friends over at Bet Online, you know them, you love them. Uh, I was going to pull up the email they sent me. Right now, it's interesting. You know, some of the stuff they have going on over at Bet Online, where it's like, uh, what are the odds that? Um, man, my brain is shutting down. That. Aaron Judge, I can't point to say Juan Soto because, you know, everything's about Juan Soto anymore. The uh, Aaron Judge is going to break the Roger Maris home run record for the Yankees. And it's actually right now more people think he is than isn't. How about Juan Soto's next team have traded? Padres, Cardinals, Dodgers, no Guardians. Uh, Otani, Cardinals, Yankees, Dodgers. Guardians don't make any list. White Sox make the Otani list. And the Twins also don't make any lists. Make sure to check out our good friends over at Bet Online. If those are you know areas of interest or note, if you think that those uh, you know odds are in your favor, it's a fun site. There's a lot to find out. And remember that at the end of the day, you know Vegas and sites like and specifically Bet Online, which is you know a site I've gotten to know very well over the years, they are in the know when it comes to what's going to happen in sports. They always have it first, so you want to be paying attention going there because. When those lines shift, keep your eyes open. Remember to go check out Bet Online, our official sponsor and partner. Okay, so let's talk about the two big Guardians pieces. We already talked about Fran Mill. Let's start there. I think when you see the media mouthpieces, and I don't mean that as a negative, I mean the guys who hear internally, who have been there forever, who have connections, the way they discuss Fran Mill is so negative. I, it's it's kind of a shame. Like, I loved what Fran Mill has done these past few years. He has been that huge right-handed bat that we were hoping Edwin Encarnacion would be, that we were hoping Matt Laporta would be. I mean, this has been something we've been chasing as a fan base forever. And he's not that old. He's only like 26, what, started the year, I believe, at age 26. And he's been awful. And he's going to cost about four point five to $5 million next year. So if he doesn't show anything this year, and it's, you know, I could pull up the data. It's already in my head. In the first month of the year, he had a, a four was his runs created plus. That's how bad it was. Then it went to the 80s, and he actually had identical 107s in May and June. Now he's back in the 80s. Are you going to pay him $5 million to be a DH to maybe hit the ball? And I think that's why this is a rare case where they might sell low on a distressed ass, asset. I think there is concerns about his inability to show up in shape, that that has been a consistent issue with San Diego in the last two years in Cleveland. And I think they would consider moving on from him. Just reading between the lines, hearing what you're hearing, I think he is someone who is kind of worn. I think the front office is just like, and they need that DH position open. Josh Naylor is probably going to be long-term this team's DH. He just, he gets, you know, he plays with his hair on fire and it leads to him getting beat up and having issues all the time. And I don't mean as a negative, he's been awesome this year, but he's always got a small thing going, right? So you just want to, put him in um, bubble wrap and put him in DH. And I think that's the other thing. I think they'd be more willing to be patient with Fran Mill if they didn't kind of look at Nadler and be like, okay, he needs that DH position. We can't just have one guy fill in it. So I think they'd be willing to sell low. I think this is the rare case. Now the other player we have to talk about with the Guardians is Ahmed Rosario, who has been about average defensively this year. Again, he's not the guy who should be there. He still probably should be playing second. You'd probably prefer both those guys to be flipped but they're letting him play there and he's an a-plus guy in the clubhouse uh everyone seems to like him he tries hard he plays hard he's probably gonna be like a three-win player he's a solid a top 15 shortstop uh, 
Uh, he has been playing well of late, but he's gonna. Here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna have a hot month, a cold month, a hot month, a cold month, and it's you know maybe not off and on like that, but they're gonna be interspersed. At the end of the day, he's gonna be like a somewhere between one, um, let's say ninety five to one hundred five in runs created plus, right around that league average. Defensively, it's it's better this year. You know, he's he's that's why he's gonna be like a three win player instead of a two win player. But all of that's gonna come together to make him cost about eight to nine million next year in salary. How do you feel about paying him eight to nine million to be your shortstop for one year when you have those young players behind him? And I think this team might view it that way. I think that they are I think he stays. I don't think he gets traded, but there's a lot of value at shortstop. There are teams that could use and that's the thing. Like we look at him when we talk about shortstop, he's an up the middle player. There's teams like the Brewers could use him at second base. He would be an upgrade over Wong there. He would be a guy who could step in right away. Could a trade happen? Maybe. I don't know. I, I think they're less likely to trade him. Um, I think they'll listen because they listen on everything. We know that. Like, There's no one outside of Jose Ramirez that they're like, we're not going to. Li-. They'll listen on everyone. Everyone on this roster could potentially be traded if the right deal came along. Having said that, it's got to be the right deal, and I don't think it comes along. And I think they keep him... The one issue is going to be then he gets expensive. And you look at Fran Mill and you look at him, and that could be $14 million in payroll. They're at 63 right now. You do you know, Jose at uh, 20-ish and them, and that's half your payroll. That's not counting you know, the Shane Bieber Rays and the, some of the other guys. Uh, I, I don't know if they're willing to do that. So the thing is, do you trade Ahmed now? Do you trade him later? I don't see, I don't see a pathway to him being with this team next year. Again, I, I didn't think there'd be a pathway to him still being here. I think he's likely to say, I think Fran Mill is likely to go. I would not be shocked if both of them are gone. Just because, again, the depth, all the options in the upper minors. Now, again, not everyone's lighting the world on fire, but there are some options there. And then it's a way to you know save some, some money for next year because that's still going to be an issue. This is still going to be one of the lowest payroll teams in baseball. And they got to figure out how to juggle that. Now let's talk about the other side of things. There's been one name consistently connected to the Cleveland Guardians, and that's Sean Murphy. I would love that. Of course, I would have just loved it if they drafted him instead of Logan Ice way back in the day when I had them. Uh, you know, that was the thing. They had the comp B pick, and Murphy went to the third round. I've talked about this many times in the show. Uh, it was a bit of a heartbreaker for me in the moment and has proven to be more so. Sean Murphy is a player on the ascent. Uh, you know, I can tell you this because I already looked it up when I recorded this the first time. It's interesting to compare him and JT Realmuto, um, both players in their age 27 years. We kind of saw that step forward. You know, Murphy had was really productive his first two years. They were partial seasons, one being 2020. And then last year was kind of a down year. He was just about league average. <laughs> league average is still a top five bat for a catcher. Uh, he's a gold glove defender. Three and a half years of team control, I believe. Or is it... Yeah, three and a half years of team control. And you look at, like, the expected power. All these things are really... Like, he, I think we, the best is yet to come with John Murphy. I'm willing to go all in on him. I know not everyone's willing to do that, but I look at that. And then, you know, just look at the Matt Olson deal. Because, let's see, they got Ryan Cusick, who was the first-round pick. Shane Langleyers, who had been another high pick. And then, I mean, quote-unquote centerpiece to some was Christian Pache, 
who is, you know, was a top 10 prospect in baseball. And also, by the way, lowest runs created plus in baseball of any player uh, in baseball with over 100 at-bats. Like, he just can't hit. And we see a lot of these top-end hitting prospects, like Nick Senzel, we've talked about many times on the show. It's weird how sometimes things just can't... Matt Laporta, we talked about him. Some guys just can't seem to... There's that fine line where you get in the big leagues from AAA where you're seeing just a, you know more refinement, more control, and ability to throw pitches in certain counts that just doesn't happen in the minors. And some guys, and, you know, it's, it, there's certain guys who just never seem to live up to the billing, which in a weird way, we always talk about the danger of pitching prospects. I think in the upper minors, pitching prospects are safer because we have so much data. We know it spins. We know it moves. They are already showing control and command you put them up there and you feel comfortable and safe that they're going to translate. And I almost feel that like a pitcher is more likely to translate across the board than a hitter. Having said that, that's partially why, like if I were to make a guys, I don't want to see traded draft list, not like a top 10 prospects list, but like Espino and Williams near the top, like they're pitching is so expensive as you saw at the Castillo deal. Um, you don't want to trade the guys who look like they have a chance to be stars, which means if you're going to trade for Murphy, Valera is where it starts. And then I kind of look at that team, and I see right now Nick Allen is at second base. He'll move to shortstop next year for um, for Oakland because I believe Elvis Andrews' contract is finally done, and Allen is a fine defender. Ty Freeman fits their profile, and he's just kind of buried with Cleveland. And then they're probably going to want an arm back. You go, and again, we talked about the other deal. Look at their top three pieces. Pache, a former top 10 overall prospect in baseball. Some of the shine was off, even more so now. But some then. Shea Langlier is one of the top catching prospects in baseball. And then they got Ryan Cusick, the former first-round pick. You're probably looking at, like, Logan Allen because the issue is after those top two arms, there's Logan Allen, and then there's a little bit of space for most people before that tier with Curry and Gaddis and Batonfield. Now, if you're talking those three guys, that's a high price to play, pay. So I think you also, the, the thing you have to look into here on top of Murphy is A.J. Puck. I like Lou Trevino, but Puck is the guy. Four and a half years of team control. Walk rate barely over two. Big, towering, flamethrowing lefty. Very high pick. Hasn't worked out as a starter. Uh, missing nine, you know, nine strikeouts per nine. A lot of value there. I do I don't nec- I think you just leave him in the pen. Can you get Murphy and Puck for Valera, Freeman, and Allen? No. But this is then where you use a fourth valuable piece. A Jose Tenya, an Angel Martinez. Uh, I'm also throwing Luke Maley into this deal uh, just to clear a catcher and a little bit of salary space. Uh, but, and I know what you're thinking, that's a ton to pay. And you're also thinking, hey, Bone Naylor's right there. I would love, I, this role doesn't exist anymore, but in my mind, I'm like, Bo Naylor is the perfect guy to be the, okay, he's their catcher today, tomorrow he's playing first, left field, right, like he, Tony Phillips, he's playing a different role every day and playing across the board, he's your third string catcher, and, you know, I, I don't know if that role can exist, but that's in my mind what I'd love to see. Secondary thought, Naylor isn't necessarily ready to go right away next year, he can get some seasoning under Murphy, because you're going to let Hedges walk at the end of this year. And guess what? After another season, if you're ready to move on and have Naylor go, Murphy still net, uh, nets you a king's ransom in a trade. He is still going to be incredibly valuable, even if it's just 
a short-term for now, long-term situation. Naylor's bat looks like it's going to play. And he's a solid defender, but he is not the great defender Murphy is, which this team really values back there. So I look at this as, yeah, Murphy's the guy, and especially if you can get Puck in that deal, I go all-in. This is the all-in situation for me. Like I said, the, you're trading a lot. But let's say we pull out Valera, we pull out Freeman, we pull out Logan Allen. Who are the guys who are in your top ten? Well, you still got Espino, still got Williams, Rocchio, Arias, Jones, Brennan, uh, John Kenzie Noel, Chase DeLauder, Bone Naylor. Uh, you can debate, you know, Angel Martinez if he wasn't the fourth piece. Uh, Petey Halpin. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting guys. So, yes, it hurts. But you're dealing from kind of bits of strength. And you still have so much depth. It's not going to hurt as bad as it is. As bad as it feels like, you, there's so much depth. This is what you want to use the depth for. But, unfortunately, if you want to get something, it costs something. And you have to trade one of those upper tier guys. I know a lot of people. Valera is a very polarizing prospect, but Oakland, Oakland, the talk is they want outfielders or pitchers. And I personally, at this point in time, I don't know. I, Valera is fantastic, and I don't move him easily. But there is that tier of guys. If you're going to go get someone, Espino, Williams, Valera, Rocchio, one of those four has to be the cost in this case Valera is the one that I think matches the want slash need I know people will hate it it's just that's the way of it no one wants to trade that's too much too much people say that's more than Luis Castilla and I'm like and it should be more than Luis Castilla because you're a year and a half versus three and a half years plus an elite reliever it's going to cost you four, maybe five pieces. You know, it might be one of those things where it's like Batonfield as well and Martinez. And just with the where that 40-man roster is right now, like I I don't have a problem with, you know, like C- Cody Morris I didn't even talk about for this top 10. I still like La Vestida. Uh, he'd be <laughs> ungodly buried, but you, there's it's such a good organization, such good depth. I'm all in on Murphy, especially if you can also get a reliever in that deal. I know the results will probably be not as happy, but make sure to let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Remember to rate and review. It really helps. Take a moment to say, one of our, uh, we have three reviews currently showing on iTunes. I had given everyone a thank you shout-out. I've closed that out. I'm, I, I will give the other gentleman a thank you shout-out in a later show. Uh, one of them is a Twins fan whose review is, Byron Buxton is better than all of you. So go leave a review. Let's knock that one out. I mean, come on. You want a Twins fan, one-star review, being one of the three on Lockdown Guardians? If you haven't uh, left a review, please go do that. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. Let me know how you feel about this episode over on Twitter, at JeffMLBDraft. It is a full take two. I recorded the first one, and Windows 11 was... Mm. So I hope you enjoyed this. It's a little sillier, a little bit different, a little more tired version of Lockdown Guardians. Again, it's great to be back. It's great to talk baseball. I'm looking forward to hopefully an active deadline because this team needs to do some things. They need to take that over-smashed 40, over-smashed, over, they need to take that 40-man roster and condense it and make some room and figure some things out. I have been, they need to be buyers and maybe a little bit of sellers. Maybe both. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast. Remember, rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, go knock that terrible review out on the uh, iTunes. Subscribe on the YouTube. We're over f- we're at 428. Let's get to 500 soon. 
keep that push for a thousand. Uh, and as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.